Good morning. How is everyone? Good. Everybody's here. Okay, first item of business, Kidmo Kids. If you're one of our Kidmo age kids, you are dismissed. Good to see all of you here this morning. If you're a guest, our Kidmo program is for our second through fifth graders. Gives them some, some content that's oriented more towards their age group and not just a time of play, although they have a lot of fun in there, but also a good teaching moment for them. So if you've got a, a child in that age category, you're welcome to, to let them go over there or they can sit with you, whatever you would like. Uh, if you're a guest here this morning, we're very glad to have you. Anybody here from Florida that's visiting? Hey, we've actually got a couple. We've got, got a person here. We've got Richard and Wendy here. That's, uh, so we've got several people. Miss Debbie's here. I think she's a temporary Florida resident now. She's, she's been down there visiting, but uh, Richard and Wendy came up fleeing the hurricane. So, so we know there's some folks here in town, um, all over town, I'm sure. But if you're a guest here, we welcome you. If you have any questions, see one of us. One of us here afterwards, or you can simply fill out a contact card out there on the, the stand right behind the worship doors there and, and give us a record of you being here. We will not come visit you, come for lunch, harass you with needless emails asking for offerings or any of that sort of thing, but we are glad that you're here. Well, this morning I've been sitting back there, and I've been in, probably in trouble already today. I normally stand over here, and I thought, you know, I'm going to sit back here and just kind of listen to the, the worship music as I get ready, and I'll guess what I found on Mark's desk? A whole box of Slim Jims. So I've been sitting back there eating. Now, Stephanie can laugh because I left an empty Slim Jim wrapper on Mark's desk for him. When he gets back, your son will get the blame for eating those Slim Jims because he is the Slim Jim bandit. But I've been back there listening, and I was, I was listening and watching this video, and it's very pertinent to what we're talking about today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we've been in this series for a couple of weeks now, This I think the third week. And some of the things that we're going to talk about today are some of the misconceptions about gifts of the Spirit and how those are portrayed, and especially tongues. I don't know if you called in the video there, her talking about the flame. Did you catch that? Talking about the flame and the power in that fire. And we're going to talk about that just as we open this morning. But the first thing I want you to know is that the gift of tongues can either be defined as speaking and interpreting a foreign language or a personal private prayer language between you and God. Those are the way that the gift of tongues is manifested. We see it in two different ways there. Many people today still have a private prayer, prayer language between them and God. And we're going to go into that in a little detail. And the first verse we're going to look at is going back to the New Testament, the early formation of the church. And we're going to start off talking about the gift of languages as a tongue. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Let's just pause there for just a second. In the video, did you hear her talking about that, that fire and that flame? The thing we've got to, to look in this verse here, it says, as of fire. It doesn't say it was literal flaming tongues. I remember talking to a gentleman up one time at a, a little souvenir shop in Gatlinburg. It was a little Christian souvenir store. And he was going into detail of how when he, he when the spirit came on him, he saw these flaming tongues sitting on people's heads. It says as of. It's a, it's a literary thing. It's not literal flaming tongues. Because, you know, what image comes to your mind when you see this? I always see the Rolling Stones logo with flames leaping off of it. That's, that's just where my mind goes. I'm like, I don't think that's what God intended in this. This wasn't a literal thing, but many people interpret it that way. Let's move on. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice the Spirit gave them this. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And as this sound... and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So this was a, an event. This was kind of like the kickoff event for the new church. Here they are. Everyone's in town. There's Jews from many nations there. See, not everybody that was a Jew lived in this locale. There were people that were different languages spoke in that day, just as there are today. This would be like going uh, to, I think, the things that we most recognize would be something like the Olympics or the United Nations. Have you ever seen uh, a coverage of a United Nations conference or meeting where they're all sitting there, they've got their headset in? 
what's happening there is their, their language is being interpreted to them. There's a speaker that's speaking on stage or from a podium or from a desk or whatever, and their words are being translated by someone backstage and being fed into their earpiece so that they can hear it in their own language. Well, this is what this verse is talking about, except they didn't use technology to do it. They used the Spirit of God. And when these men spoke, each person, just as I'm speaking today, if you spoke a foreign language, say German. Anybody here work at Volkswagen? Nobody's going to admit it. Okay. <laughs> it, at Volkswagen, they have some German population here that have come over from Germany to help with the, the launch of the plant and some of their engineers and things. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have that communications barrier? If somebody's speaking in German, you hear it in English. Oh, yes, I can go do this. You don't need an interpreter. Or if you speak in English, they understand the problem you're having here while you're working on the line. They say, oh, yes, we can fix that. This is what was happening this day on Pentecost was everyone was hearing the message about God, about who Jesus was, about, about his resurrection. They were hearing this message in their own language. And the reason we know that is because it tells us clearly that they heard it spoken in their own language. This wasn't unknown languages. This wasn't something that nobody could understand but God could understand. This was simply different languages that were in that region that were being spoken by the people there. So that's what, when we talk about the gift of tongues as a language, that's where we get that from. Now, secondly, we have another gift, a prayer gift that many people here today still experience. Uh, Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in spirit. These things, this is a private language between you and God. This isn't for public display. This isn't, this isn't a gift of speaking to God in German or French or Spanish or whatever it may be. This is something that happens when people are in earnest prayer and they can Speak this language to God, and God understands it. Now, not everybody gets all these gifts. We're going to get this. This is not one of the gifts that I have experienced. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in just a moment. But th there is so much to our prayer life that I think we, we misunderstand these days. Maybe some of the reasons some of us aren't gifted in those things is we aren't in earnest enough prayer with God. I know my prayer life is always hit and miss, and I think a lot of people's is. You know, when do we most likely pray? Need something. Do we ever pray just to praise God? Rarely. You know, we may be thankful that something bad didn't happen to us and we praise God for that, but we don't pray like that. But listen to this in Romans eight twenty six. what it says. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I think that's part of where this mysterious prayer language that some people experience comes from. These are things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the Father for us. Because sometimes, have you ever thought, I just don't even know what to pray at this point in time? I do that. There are things that are just beyond me. Sometimes, guys, that's really good that we don't know what to pray for because we often do what? We pray for the wrong thing. We pray for things that, that shouldn't be happening. We don't pray for God's will to actually be done. We say, I want this to happen. And that's the way we pray. That's not what God's talking about. We're supposed to pray that his will be done. And often we don't know what that will is, and we don't know how to pray. So the Holy Spirit helps us through that. You know, we, we have a member here, and I'm not going to mention the name because the family's here, but we all know who we're talking about that, that are involved in this. We have one of our, our dear members here that's in the hospital fighting for her life. I don't know how to pray for her. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I mean, we've all had loved ones that have passed on, and we've prayed for them and prayed that they would be healed. But I don't know what God's will is in this situation. So I simply have to pray, God, your will be done in this. Now, my thought is when I pray, nobody would ever die. Have y'all ever prayed anybody died? No, that's not right. I don't pray that people, well, there's a few exceptions. No, <laughs> there's a few people you might like to get smitten just a little bit. Maybe not to death, but no, seriously, we don't pray for God's will to be done in these situations often, and we need to. We need to pray through the Holy Spirit that he will intercede for us, and God will hear those prayers, and God's will will be done, because we just sometimes don't know what to say or do. Like I said, we always pray that people get, that they're healed and they come back to us and they're part of our lives. That's what we want, obviously. Everyone would want that. You don't want to see a loved one pass on for any reason. But God often has different plans. 
You know, we pray for healing and things like that. And also in our prayer lives, we're not bold about that anymore either. Because anybody ever been bitten praying for somebody and it didn't happen? It makes you feel awful. It makes you feel like, I'm, I'm a failure. I, I, I didn't pray hard enough for this person. I didn't. God doesn't. The, the healing part of this is not up to the quality of our prayers. Does that make sense? It's not up to how much power we put in that prayer, how hard we pray. God does tell us to pray earnestly. In the end, though, it's still up to God how he works this. Jesus praying in the garden before he was crucified. Remember that story? He was sweating drops of blood. The stress was so much on him, and he was so anxious about this. And was, is, God, is there another way for this to happen? But God, Father, whatever your will is, I'll do it. That's how he prayed, and that's how we need to pray. I think Jesus was clearly saying, is there another way? He would have taken that other way had the Father presented it to him. But he said, if there isn't another way, your will be done. And that's the way we need to pray. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in so much in helping us to be able to pray. Pray through these weaknesses. Pray for these things that we don't even know how to say. And like I said, I struggle with that. I see, I see people that are prayer warriors. There are people that, you know, they pray for these things. And I'm like, man, I just, I can't even keep my mind focused long enough sometimes to pray in that manner. But we have people that are so earnest in prayer that they're, they're actually speaking to God in, in this prayer language that, that, that is between he and the person praying. And that's a fantastic thing, guys, and that's wonderful. And if you experience that gift, that's great. If you don't, don't feel left out. We're going to talk more about that later. Not everybody's gifted alike, and God works through all of us in different ways. But it's important to understand how the Spirit uses the gifts to work through each of us. You know, that prayer language, that's, that's one way that God works through us. In, in the book of Acts, one of the ways that God worked through the through the apostles there, was through languages, so that they spoke another language. But now listen to this verse in 1 Corinthians 12 again. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Well, what does that tell you? All the way back when Paul was writing his, his letter, his first letter to Corinth, there was a misunderstanding about how gifts of the Spirit were being used, including the gift of tongues. Paul is right. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know how this works. I want you to know these things are real, but also I'm going to set some guidelines for you. I'm going to tell you what, what these gifts are supposed to be, how they work, and that sort of thing. So even all the way back into times of the New Testament, there have been confusion about these gifts. It's not unique to us. We haven't somehow taken, you know, 50 paces away from our spiritual center, and now we don't understand what these gifts are, and we're messing them up. No, it was the same way in, in New Testament times. I think we often... Don't look, but because the culture was different, we don't realize how much the people in the New Testament are just like us. Why would God write a, a letter to us in his, in his scripture that didn't apply to us? Would that even make sense? Would we go back and say, well, I know all that stuff was happening then, but none of it really applies to us because we live in America today and it's, a, it's so much a different world. I don't even know how this Bible stuff applies. No, those people were going through the same feelings, the same things we were, the same confusion, the same questions, the same fights and fusses and, and all that sort of thing. They were doing all that. But the main thing is God gives us all different gifts in the Holy Spirit empowers us to use them don't you think if you've got a gift it's supposed to be used somehow i think it should be i think that's one of the things that god does is he gives these gifts and he empowers us to use them through his spirit now everybody is gifted differently listen to this verse in first corinthians again chapter 12 now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Do you think we're all gifted alike? And I'm not even talking about things that, that apply to church and that sort of thing. Just in our talents and things that we often call gifts. And, and some of those are God-given gifts. Everybody alike? No, we're not all alike. We're not all alike in any way. If somebody has, you know, our guys in the booth up here, they're very technically minded. How many of you are not technically minded? Wow, we need to change the way we do some things around here because our emails are not getting to you guys. <laughs> but seriously, some people are not technically minded. How many people are musically talented, can sing or play an instrument? Got lots of folks like that. That is not one of my gifts. You do not want to hear that. Trust me. Karen can tell you, you don't want to hear that gift. It's an awful thing. I mean, I was backstage listening this morning. And I'm thinking, you know, these folks, they can play an instrument. They can do these things. But there were things that God gave them inherently that I don't have. One of them being a sense of rhythm. Anybody, 
Anybody like rhythm here? Uh, big time, you know. I, I had a friend that was a pastor, and, and they joke, well, it's actually a pastor that uh, Kevin that's come and led worship for us some was the guy telling me this, that they would tell him not to sit on the front row and try to either clap or, or tap his foot because it would throw the musicians off if they looked at him because he was so out of rhythm. <laughs> you know, some people don't have that gift. Some people don't have the gift of, of, of doing things that are technically and thinking through things and breaking them down into small pieces. I love doing that. That's what I do for a living. But when we're talking about the spiritual gifts, there, there are many of them and they're different. Some people are not gifted with the, the gift of prophecies. Anybody know what that is? And we're going to talk about that in some verses upcoming. I just want to go ahead and talk a little bit about what's the gift of prophecy, do you think? Truth-telling. Absolutely. Good, good answer. Because too many people, when you hear prophecy, they think that you're predicting the future. Okay? Now, I would be one of the, pers- the people that I consider God has given me the gift of prophecy. That's the ability to get get up in front of a group of people or one-on-one and tell the truth about what Scripture says. And that's what I try and base. If anybody ever comes to me for advice, I go back into Scripture and say, okay, this is what it says, and I think this is what it means. Now, we need to pray about this because I could always be wrong. I'm not, I'm not perfect. This is not like the prophets in the Old Testament that we saw that were continually trying to predict the future. We've had a taste of that in the past few weeks. You know, the hurricanes and natural disasters that are happening are either a prophecy from God or something we just can't predict in the weather. You know? Now, what is the thing? What happened to the prophets in the Old Testament if they were wrong? What was that a sign of? That was a sign that you weren't a true prophet and you were stoned to death. I bet meteorologists today are so glad that's not in effect, don't you? <laughs> we, there wouldn't be a one left. We would have to just go out and look at the weather because nobody would be left. I mean, people have, have been so impacted by this hurricane, not knowing where to, to go. Really. I know Richard and Wendy went through this this week. You know, do I leave? Do I stay? Where's it going? And the thing, if we look, their prophecy was only within 225 miles of being accurate. That could miss you by 225 miles or it could come slap over you. You didn't know what to do. But that's the way that some of our modern-day prophets work. They don't have the gift of prophecy of predicting the future because what they're saying isn't coming true, and they're not facing the consequences for it like in the Old Testament. So they boldly make these proclamations about how God is sending judgment on us, and we don't know if it is or not. The eclipse was a prime example of somebody trying to exercise the gift of prophecy falsely that said, this is a sign from God. I'm going to tell you guys, just from my interpretation of reading Scripture, signs of God were never predictable. Right? These things that happened, they were things that that just just freaked you out because it just happened. It would be like going outside today. Nobody said anything about a hurricane. Nobody said anything about that. And we walk out, and there's 180 miles an hour wind out here. The earth's shaking. The sky has grown dark. That's God working. When you can predict it, that's likely not God. That's you trying to glorify yourself as a prophet so that people will, so you'll build a following for yourself. It's a misuse of the gift. We're going to talk more about misusing those gifts. But now there are these variety of gifts, the, the different activities, the different service. There's so much of this that goes on. And we see this in our church. Everyone is gifted differently. There are people that are musicians. There are, there are tech people. There are people that, that serve in our nursery and serve in our children's ministry, greet, make coffee, hospitality, all these things that you're gifted in. God uses all of them. But why are they all used? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells to each of us, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's not to glorify us. It's not so musicians can get up on the stage and you can say, wow, look at how good they sing. Or wow, look at the, look at the guitar playing they can do. Look how God's gifted them. There's lots of musicians in the world that don't glorify God, aren't there? There's lots of musicians that can really play or sing or whatever, but they're not glorifying God. These folks up here on the stage are using their gift for the common good. They're doing it to bring us into the presence of God, to bring his spirit into this place with us so that we may worship corporately together for our common good. And that's what these gifts are about. That's the reason so much of this is not individualized. These are gifts that we should all have. These are gifts that that should be used to glorify God for the benefit of others. Continuing on in 1 Corinthians, it says, well, what are we supposed to do with these gifts? We should desire the spiritual gifts, but only if our desire is to use them to tell the world about God. That's the reason we should have them. That's the reason we should desire them. And we're going to talk a little bit about this guy a couple of times this morning. Remember from a couple of weeks ago, Mark talking about Simon the sorcerer? 
And when he wanted the same gift that the apostles had, Simon was a magician. He was greatly respected, and the people just loved seeing Simon. He'd been doing this, this magic or whatever he did for years. Well, the apostles came on, and God had given them some gifts of healing and languages and all these things. And Simon's like, dude, I want that stuff. Can you imagine if I'm popular now, if I get this stuff you've got and I throw it in my show and I can do all this too, people are going to flock to me. This is going to be the best thing ever. I am going to be so popular and people are going to follow me and I'll have this power over people that I'm able to do this. It was wrong motivation. And Simon was told that. But that's the reason we should only desire these gifts to tell the world about God. Simon's purpose wasn't so that he could go out and say, look at this fantastic thing that has happened. God has sent his only son here to earth. He died for us. He took the place of, the, of us. He paid for the sins that we couldn't even pay for. And now we're forgiven through God's grace and we can, we can live a life with him in all eternity. That wasn't Simon's message. His message was, look at me and look what I can do for you. And that's not a spiritual gift. That's just us taking it on our us. But what should we pursue in these gifts? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we should pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay? There's that word prophecy again and pursuing. We should pursue love. That's, we should exercise our gifts through love for our, our fellow man. We should exercise those gifts for the love of the people around us in the church and in the world. We should do all these things not for personal satisfaction. Spiritual gifts are given for common good and not personal satisfaction. It's not so you can look at any of us like I've been saying this morning. We're to give these gifts out of love to those around us. And that's one of the condemnations that the church often has is we're not loving enough to those around us. We're not exercising our gifts in love. As a matter of fact, we, we often we use those gifts to separate us from others and put them down. That's not what our gifts are about. But now let's go back to our, our primary topic this morning of tongues. What is this gift of tongues? How does it fit into some of this? Well, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Again, we're talking about in corporate worship and these things and in our prayer life, this gift of, of languages or tongues, depending on how it's, how it's manifested, the only reason that those gifts were given was for what? To prophesy, to tell truth about God. It wasn't an example. God didn't need, for lack of a better word, a parlor trick. You know what that is? Where he's just creating this thing to create attention that you can see it and gain your attention. I've, heard, I've even heard pastors speak about, you know, God used these gifts so people would... God doesn't need smoke and mirrors to, to do miraculous things in your life. He doesn't need that. This was not done... So that you would build yourself up. This was done so that you could use this gift to tell others about what God was doing. What he had done for us. What he could do for you. What he was doing in the world that day. That's what those gifts were for. It wasn't for you to build yourself up. It wasn't so God could even show off, basically. That he could say, look at this. Look, look at that person there. They have been bestowed with the gift of tongues. And isn't that wonderful? No, because that brings focus on the person instead of the Father. It's always about prophesying the one who speaks in church in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church and that's what we're here for guys we're talking a lot this year about our 10th anniversary that's why why mark and i partnered together to to found journey church it was so that we could build up the church not just a local congregation but god's church those things that that were so important that we wanted to make sure that our community had a place where folks could come and hear the truth, to hear that, that prophesying of the word, that they would know what was going on. And we want to do that. We always want to build up the church. And that should be the purpose for you coming here and exercising your gifts is to build up the church, not just to, to necessarily feel better about yourself. You know, it's great that we sometimes come but to do that and we get burdens lifted here. But that's not the primary purpose of this. This is to build up those around us and those outside of us. Continuing in 1 Corinthians um, 14, verse 5. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. He, Paul said, it'd be great if you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak the truth. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation of knowledge or prophecy or teaching? 
Here he's talking about the gift of languages that we were experiencing in Acts. And Paul's saying, okay, so you speak in this, you can speak in a language that others understand. If you're not giving the truth out through this gift of language that you're speaking, you're not doing anything. That's not the reason God gives this to you. If you're speaking in these tongues, how will it benefit unless you bring revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? We have to all use our gifts so that they glorify God and they bring forth his truth in the world. That's simply the way these gifts are manifested, and that's the way we do it. I want you, even more than speaking in these languages, I want you to prophesy. I want you to tell the truth. But now we've talked a lot about tongues this morning so far, and this is kind of interwoven. This is about the way the Spirit works through us, including in tongues. But are there other spiritual gifts? Can anybody name one? Mercy, discernment. Mercy, that's where you like, you don't want to get back at people and all that kind of stuff. Not one of mine, sorry. (laughs) How many of you struggle with mercy sometimes and grace, showing that to others? Those are are fruits of the Spirit. We see those manifested as, as we do these things. But listen to some of these these gifts and going back to first corinthians 12 and i know i'm jumping back and forth between chapter 12 and chapter 14 but the way paul's letter is written this makes sense for what we're teaching today are there different spiritual gifts for the one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom gift of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge the gift of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, the discernment thing we're talking about, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. You know, one of the things in talking about interpretation of tongues and languages and that sort of thing. Now, I don't know how God could certainly do that today. I'm not going to put him in a box and say he doesn't. We don't see that gift exercised often today. I haven't personally seen it exercised, but I think God made, I know he still works through people and he does that in a different way. Anybody have any friends that are missionaries in a foreign land? Yeah. And we've had, had folks here that have come through that have been in different countries and they have to go to language school and learn this. How many of you struggle with even speaking in English, much less anything else and understanding it? Yeah. I'm one of those guys. You know, I, you know we, we, in our house, we watch some of the, the shows from the BBC there are times that on the BBC channel, if we're watching something like Doctor Who, I need the subtitles on because I can't understand the English they speak. You know, do you guys have that trouble? I am not gifted in tongues at all. Much less, if God does something through me like that, it would be a miraculous event because I barely speak English, much less another language. It, there, there is nothing more frustrating to me than if you're watching a TV show and the primary character is English and someone's speaking to him in another language and they're not, they're not understanding that language. Have you ever watched a, a TV program or movie like that? And there's no subtitles. I get as frustrated as the character in the show because I'm wondering, what is that person saying? I don't understand it. But God gifts some people to be able to do that. We have people here that speak other languages. No, I'm not one of them. But God can gift us in that. And just the ability, um, you know, the Murphy girls here, they, they speak English now. Wow, that's a miracle to me. I couldn't speak. Like I said, I can barely speak that. You guys are fluent in two languages. That's fantastic to be able to do that, for God to be able to gift you like that. That's what it's talking about is all these different gifts. There are so many different ones. It could be standing up here and speaking. It could be singing. It could be, you know, the gift of mercy. It could be to distinguish between spirits, discernment. That's a gift that, that more of us need to exercise today is that discernment and knowing what to do in situations and how to walk along others in the faith, and help them determine what to do. Has anybody ever asked you a, a, a spiritual-type question that you didn't know how to answer? That's where that discernment comes in, and we need to, need to pray that, that we can have that gift, and God will, will bestow that on us so that we can, again, glorify Him. We can build up the church. You know, what is the, one of the first places people run when there's a problem? One of them is church. Even, even, in, a, even in a country and in a day where the church is is not as popular as it once was, where it's not as attended as it once was, well, it's not as much of a part of people's lives as it was, people always look to the church for help. In a crisis situation, they'll do be doing that. We experienced that last week during uh, Hurricane Harvey. You've probably seen the controversy, and I actually posted a Facebook meme about that this week. Joel Osteen's church. That's been a huge controversy because he didn't open the doors to the church. 
Well, the little Facebook meme that I posted said, isn't it interesting that people are, are so upset about Joel Osteen during, during this weather event that wouldn't ever go to his church on a dry day? Isn't that the truth? We turn to the church and we, we want the church to have all the answers just when we need them, right? I only want to get that answer when I need it. I don't want you to tell me other answers that I might not agree with or I might not want in my life. I don't want any part of that. But now when, when times are bad and I need some bottled water and a cot and things, I want you to be there for me. And as the church, we do our best to do that. We try and be there because we realize we're a light to this world. We realize that that's one of the gifts that we can have. The gift of hospitality, the gift of mercy. Those are things that we can have that we can bestow on the community around us and be a witness for God and build up the church and build up who God is to the community around us. And I agree with that. I think that's something we should all be doing, and we try and do that here. We, we give to missions and ministries, and we help um, widows harvest. We help room in the inn. We've got a room in the inn sign-up sheet out there for, for bringing meals. You know, we help in our community because that is one of the things that I think God wants the church to do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to realize that, you know, we need to be a part of the church and not just be served by the church. Does that make sense to you? That's one of the things that we need to work on. But the gift of tongues is just one of the many spiritual gifts that not everybody gets that same gift. We've talked about that a little bit already. You know, we don't all get the same gift. As I've talked about, the, the gift of prophecy, mercy, all these things are all so different. But the gifts are not enough just by themselves. You know, we, we don't need to have these gifts just for the sake of having gifts. It doesn't do any good if we're not using them to build up the church. And that's what this next verse in 1 Corinthians is talking about. Is If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. That's the reason I gave the example of, of what the world was seeing about Joel Osteen. Whether fair or not, they were seeing his church as not having the gift of love. Would you all agree with that? Whether it's fair or not, that's how the world saw that church. Because of the actions and the circumstances there, they saw them as not having love. What, is the, what are some of the number one complaints against the church today? We're hypocrites and we don't love those around us, do we? What, what do we do to people that are different than us? Hate them, don't we? Don't want nothing to do with them. They're not godly people. Well, how are they ever going to become godly people if we don't have something to do with them? I mean, it's, it's a, a very difficult situation. We can't just sit here and wait on people to come in and fill the doors. That doesn't work. That's not what the church is about. And that's, that's the reason the gift of love is so important. The reason this verse is written by Paul is saying, you can have all these gifts. You can speak in tongues. You can tell the truth about God. But if people don't think you love them, you haven't gained anything. You haven't done anything for the Father. You haven't done the mission you're here on earth to do. If you're just doing these gifts and exercising them, you know, Mark has talked a little bit about, about pastors and how so many churches have just shut their doors and the pastors have quit, and many of them don't even attend church anymore. I think in some of those people, they had gifts without love. Does that make sense? They had these gifts that they should have been portraying, these gifts that they should have been using to show their community how God loved them, and instead they were just carrying out the motions of doing church. And, and guys, that's really easy to get into. That's easy, even for me as a pastor, for Mark, we talk about this often, for you as, as members of the congregation, you that even serve in the church, it's easy to feel like you're just going through the motions, isn't it? There are days, dare I say, that all of us would rather be at home. Is that true? Anybody, anybody was sleepy this morning when you got up and didn't want to, you know, yeah. There, there are people that were tired. They didn't want to come. You're like, oh, man. And, then, you know, I, I'm just going to go. I know I should go. It's what I should do. It's, it's like, the, little boy, the, like the, 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 the story of the mother and her son. The, the son gets up, and it's like, Mom, I don't want to go to church today. She says, honey, you've got to go. He said, but, Mom, those people there, they're mean. They criticize you. They're bad. But, you know, I just don't enjoy it anymore, Mom. I don't want to go. And she said, but, son, you've got to preach at 1030. They're expecting the pastor to be there. <laughs> you know, those things happen to us. You know, there are days that, that things are rough here for everybody. There are things that, you know, people will bring bring things in that we all need to 
gather around them. You know, there's hurting people out here this morning for various reasons. And we need to realize that and we need to give them love. And no, we're not just going through the motions. What we, we do is important. But now, if you could do this, and this is really cool, would you choose your own gift? Huh? Ah, uh, there's some appealing thoughts in that. You know, wouldn't it be great to be a rock star? A lot of people fantasize about that. I'd like to do this. I'm going to do God, I want the gift of, of and I don't want, no offense, I don't want to be the drummer. I want to be the front guy, okay? <laughs> now, he's over, now he's over here laughing. Yeah, 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 you know the drummer. The drummer's the most important of the rhythm section. But, you know, I want to be the guy out front that gets all the attention. I want to be gifted like that, God. I want to choose my gift. And in the, in the, in the pastorate, I don't want to be the guy that sits back here and nobody knows. I want to be the guy on stage. Or the guy on stage is back here thinking, God, can I not just be the guy that quietly sits back in the corner and makes the coffee? You know, I don't want to do all this. God, I don't, I don't want to be gifted like that. You know, I think there's a reason God doesn't let us choose our own gifts. Like sometimes it's not good that we, you, because we get what we pray for. I think God watches out for us and says, I'm going to give you the gifts that you need that I want to use to work through you. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God gives us the gift that he wants us to have, okay? Now, we, we're rapidly approaching the holiday season. The 4th of July is over, and now we're in the Christmas season, correct? I mean, if anybody's been over to Hobby Lobby, you know that you need to go buy your Christmas tree this weekend. They may be gone, you know, because if you don't get over there and get one, but we talk about giving gifts. Do you get to choose the gift you get at Christmas? To some extent, you put it on your list. You know, you kind of roll the dice, and maybe you'll get that. You know, we used to laugh in our family, and we've thankfully gotten away from this. People quit giving gifts, and we started giving each other gift cards in the extended family. Anybody do that? Now, this is a great game. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, going to Vegas. Because you go, and you get all your gifts, you buy yours, and you think, I gave them a 25. Woo, I got a 30. I made a $5 gift back on this. Is that not the way it works? Oh, here's your gift card. Oh, my goodness. They gave me 50. Oh, shoot. They gave me 50, and I gave them 25. Now I feel bad. I should have got two $25 Bass Pro Shop gift cards. You know, but those gifts, you don't choose what you get. You can request those gifts, and out of grace, the gift giver may give that to you. I think that works with God, too, don't you? If he thinks it's a gift that's fitting for you and the things that he wants you to do in the world, I think we can pray to have those gifts. But he apportions those gifts and gives them to us individually what he wants us to have. You know, and that's, that's kind of scary sometimes because we don't know what those gifts are. And we're going to actually go through some of those gifts during our, our 10-year anniversary year, which we're talking about. We're going to have some small groups and things that talk about spiritual gifts where you can go in and explore and, and go through some, some scriptures and things and figure out where you're gifted at so you'll know where to serve, so you'll know what the gift that he has given you. But continuing on in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? earnestly desire the higher gifts and i'll show you a still more excellent way nothing wrong with desiring those gifts for the right reason if you want a gift and you want to be able to use it if if you you know just because you have musical ability and thing doesn't ha mean you have the gift of leading worship but i encourage you if you're someone that can sing or play an instrument or something god has given you those talents Maybe you just need that extra nudge to come up here and be part of this. Pray that God will give you the gift that you can be part of worship and leading us into the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a fantastic gift. There's nothing wrong with desiring that. If you want to get up here and lead worship because of that, that is a fantastic reason. We always have room for, for folks to be involved in this ministry up here on stage. You know, There's all kinds of other ways you can use your gift. So maybe you, maybe you want to teach. Maybe, how many of you like kids? How many of you parents and don't like kids? No. <laughs> you know, I like working with second through fifth graders and up through middle school. You high schoolers, eh, not so much so. But, yeah, exactly. 
Some of you that act like middle schoolers, I still enjoy. But that's the group that I feel God has gifted me to work with because I'm just a big kid, okay? Nobody's going to deny that. Nobody's going to say, oh my gosh, he's so mature. I would have never thought that. No, I like working with kids. We can go out here and be goofing around. Is Knox in here? Is he helping? He's helping. I've already ambushed Knox out here in the parking lot and scared him to death. That was the highlight of my morning. Knox is out here walking backwards. Why Knox walks backwards, nobody knows. This is just Knox, okay? He's walking backwards like this. He's not going to see me. So I hid behind one of the big columns out here, and I jumped out and grabbed him from behind while he was walking backwards. He screamed. It was great. I loved it. But, you know, I love working with kids. I love working with young people. That's one of the things I do. David and Stephanie, they love working with high school students. You know, we've got to do what? In middle school. That's right. You are. Well, they love the high school part. The middle schoolers, they just tolerate you until you get to high school. They're not in here to hear it. So, no. no, some of you are in here. No, but seriously, we all have gifts that, and there's nothing wrong with desiring that gift. You know, if you think you would like to be involved with young people, you, be, you like being around, that's great. Maybe you're what we call senior or seasoned saints. Are there any of those here? Nobody's going to raise their hand for that one, are they? <laughs> I'm not old. I just look old. You know, seriously, if you have, Mark and I were talking about this the other day. One of the things that is crippling the church is our more seasoned saints, those that have, have walked with the, the Lord for a long time, have been guided by His Spirit for a lot of their lives. They're not in our churches as much anymore. And we need those people. You know, you've been through raising children. You know what it's like. You know, you've, You've been through these things. You can share these experiences with, with young folks. You know, moms, if you've raised your children, there are mothers here that your gift could be telling them about the things you went through raising your child. Because young moms, their anxiety level's way up here somewhere. I don't know what to do. You know, think about how many mothers we have that were let, may have been raised by a single parent. They may only have, a, have had a dad at home. They don't know how to be a mom because they never had one. Same thing for you guys. Maybe you've grown up without a father. We have fatherless kids right here in our, our congregation. We have kids that, that, that don't have a mom. Those are great gifts that you can exercise. Pray that if you know, if you, if you feel that somewhere you fit in, pray that God will give you some gifts that will help you to minister in that area because he will give them to you. He'll help you do those. But going back to our thought about tongues, Paul says we should desire the higher gifts. Do you think tongues is a higher gift? Do you think that's the end-all and be-all of being spiritual is that you can speak in another language or you have a special prayer language with God? No. But there are denominations, there are congregations that they judge on a, a scale of spirituality, on a temperature scale as well. You're the hottest if you can do that. You're the closest to God if you can do those things. When Paul clearly says you could desire, should desire these higher gifts like teaching and, and you know, being prophets and apostles and serving, all these things... But he also clearly says, even though you desire them, everybody doesn't get them. Everybody doesn't get the same gifts. And he's not trying to rank them. He's just saying, don't put so much importance on things that may not have as much impact for the kingdom as others. Paul, he put the importance of speaking in tongues into perspective. Paul, in the church, he spoke in tongues. One of the gifts he had. But here's what he says about it as far as it's important in worship. He said, importantness in worship. He says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. That's pretty plain, isn't it, where Paul ranks that? Example, this one. anybody here, name a foreign language you speak. Spanish. Russian. Yeah, we've got the Russians up here. Russians and Spanish and you know, what is great? You know, when I say Russians, do y'all always have, you know, images like uh, the spies on Bullwinkle and Natasha and Boris? Uh, you know, I always, I see Nikki and she's got to be Natasha. And Josh, I don't know if he's Boris or not. Boris wasn't that, but that tall, so. I'm not that sure, yeah. <laughs> so we've got people that speak language. Which is more beneficial this morning, guys? If I get up here and speak in Russian to this family, or I speak in Spanish to those, maybe there's some people here that Spanish, Russian is your native language, like the girls up here. If that's your native language, which is more beneficial to us as a congregation? If I sit up here and do that, and, and somebody can interpret that, or if I just plainly speak what, what the Word says. And that's what Paul said. He said, don't get hung up on this 
gift of having this, this, this other language or whatever. He says, because listen, Paul was qualified to give instruction concerning tongues because he was more gifted in tongues than anyone he was writing to. He said, you know, I know. I'm the expert. And he didn't say it boastfully, like, ah, oh, look at me. I know more about this than you do. But what he said is, God's gifted me with this gift more than any of you. In 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, if I were saying I'd put more than all of you put together, but that would be because I was boasting. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I do this. I'm, I do this. God has gifted me above and beyond anything that any of you can do, and I don't even think it's important. Now, I do have a bit of a problem with that from, from sometimes. When people say that, don't you always think it's easy to say a gift's not important that you have and I don't? That's tough, isn't it? You know, it's not that important that you do this. Well, you say that, but you've got that gift. It's easy for you to say because you're not having to strive to get it. You're, so, you know, that, that's a tough thing sometimes. But Paul just said, don't get hung up on this. He said, I know about these gifts. He said, I speak in them. But it's not a big deal, guys. You don't need to focus on that. That's not what it's all about. But here's some final thoughts on this. In, in worship today, we need to understand why these gifts were given and who they were given to and what they were used for. First of all, we need to realize that the gift of tongues in the form of language was for unbelievers and not for the church. Going back to Acts, why was God doing that at that time? It was to build up the church. It was for the common good. There were people there that spoke many languages. They didn't have enough interpreters to do this. And God said, I'm going to gift them with this gift of language so everybody can hear my word today. That's why he gave that. But many of those people were not believers, okay? And when we say that, and this is, this is, this is something a lot of people get tripped up on, just because you were a Jew in that day didn't mean you were a believer. You understand that? Jesus came and, and struck a new covenant with man that expanded beyond the Jews and included the Gentiles. His death on the cross opened up this path for the entire world. Many of the Jews didn't believe that. So when God talks about those, that, when, or when Paul talks about non-believers, he's talking about even Jews that didn't believe in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. That's who he's talking about. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's why God gave these gifts there, was so that they could do this. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Don't be childish. Be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. In the law it's written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me. He said, even if I spoke in a strange language, well, they're not going to listen, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. What God is saying here is this gift of speaking in languages for those that were outside the church that didn't know. Why would a missionary have the talent, the ability, the spiritual gift to speak in another language if it wasn't to glorify God? That's the reason they're gifted that way, is to go out into places that have never heard God's word. They're primarily another religion or no religion at all, that they can go forth and speak the truth about God. And and then when those people come to Christ, when they know him, then the gift of prophecy applies to them because you're telling the truth and you're building them up and you're building the church and building for the common good. You're doing that. And that's what he's talking about. This, this, this thing of tongues is not just to go out in your church and make a spectacle of yourself. It's not to be in a body of worship like this just to prove we can do it. If there is somebody here that can interpret and do that, that's not the purpose of it. It was for unbelievers. This is primarily a group. In any congregation, we have people here this morning that aren't believers. I believe that. I know that. We have people that have been believers for years. We have a mixed congregation. But that gift was primarily to portray God's word to people in another language that didn't understand it. But, you know, if we were all in here this morning trying to speak in our native language, whether it's Spanish, Russian, English, redneck as I speak, <laughs> you know, we're all going to be speaking these different languages. Would this be a chaotic mess this morning? Would, would this not be just, you know, but there are worship services. Like, do we have an example of that? Were you guys able to get the video? We'll see if we've got an example of what it looks like for chaotic worship and why God says that we wouldn't want to do this. We'll see if we get it or not. This was a last-minute edition. I put the guys on the spot, so we may or may not get that. Look at me sweating up there. Do you see that thing from the Babylon Bee about that, that I posted the other day? I, I tagged Jeremy and Brian in it where it said that, yes, 
it is the guy running the slide's fault. <laughs> they, they always feel like, don't worry about it, Brian. Oh, blame the second guy. I like that. It's the other guy's fault. It's not up there to defend himself to sitting here somewhere. Good, good, good move. But it's a, it's a video, and you can look it up on the, on the Internet, of Benny Hinn. How many have seen Benny Hinn? The infamous Benny Hinn. And he is in this service, and he is supposedly giving the Holy Spirit to people. And he looks, how many Star Wars fans have we got? Oh, yeah, we got bunches of Star Wars fans. Remember Emperor Palpatine? That's who Benny Hinn looks like. He's giving the Holy Spirit to people like this. And they're falling down, and they're flopping, and they're, and they're, they're, they're uttering all these strange languages and stuff. And it's like, did you see that here this morning? I don't see it going, I mean... It's not working. You know, it's not working. But all I could do is everybody stand on your feet and you would get up. And that would, that would be the closest thing I could do to that probably. There's a reason that God talks about this in Scripture. Our final verse this morning is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23. God says this, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? We often get criticized sometimes for a movement that was called being seeker-sensitive. Anybody heard that term in the church, being seeker-sensitive? That was for people that were seeking God, didn't know him yet, and they were coming to your congregation. Some people would misclassify our worship style as seeker-sensitive because it's not traditional hymns. God doesn't care about that. We just want to have something that if an outsider comes in, they will feel comfortable in our atmosphere. I think you guys have, have known us long enough by now to know that we don't stray away from the truth here. We don't stray away from controversial topics. We try and speak what we feel the Word says. That is not being seeker-sensitive. A lot of times, people will not speak to those things in a church. They won't say those things. But we want outsiders to come in to know the truth. There's no other reason for them to be here. But we also want them to feel comfortable and not be feel like they're out of place. Has anybody ever been to that type of worship service and felt very uncomfortable? Anybody been to that type of thing? Yeah, I've been to some of those before. It's like, you know, and we live in the southeast. You know, in our region, they may whip the snakes out on you. There have been people that have interpreted Scripture as if you have enough faith, you can take up a venomous serpent, and if it bites you, you won't die. Several of them have now died. <laughs> you know, there was actually a TV show on about this. The guy, he was up around Knoxville. Got bit by the snake. One guy lost his hand. One guy died. I'm like, okay, do you think that looks like you're out of your mind to outsiders? Even if that is a gift that God has given, do you think it's a good thing to practice it in corporate worship? Do you, do you think people are going to feel comfortable there doing that? I mean, my goodness. It's just that kind of thing. And that's where we get off on this subject of tongues and things. It's people that use that gift today to sh- to say, look at me, I am filled with the Spirit and listen to me talk. It's not what God talked about with tongues. They were either languages or private prayer language, and they were for the edification of God. They were for the, the, the whole church to understand what was going on. And if you get that private prayer language, that's just one of those gifts you get that maybe others don't. It's not, it's not especially spiritual if you get it. It's not especially unspiritual if you don't. And that goes with all the gifts, where there's prophecy, mercy, grace, whatever it is, hospitality, all these many gifts that we've talked about this morning. Guys, it doesn't matter which one you get, because God says, I'll give you the one I want you to have. It just matters if you use it and use it properly. And that's the, and that's the only reason we wanted to, to cover tongues this morning, because it's a controversial subject in some churches. In our area, there are churches that practice it in corporate worship. We have a reason we don't do it here because we think it detracts from the orderly worship. We've not been gifted with the gift of speaking in languages like that, like it was in the New Testament. So we don't practice that here. But we're certainly not going to say when you're at home in your time with God, if you feel that he gives you a language between you and him, we're going to say that's wrong. That's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you haven't got it, there's nothing wrong with that either. Does this make sense to you? I just want you to see today that God wants each of us to be used. 
He wants it just to be used to build up his church. And he's gifted us uniquely in doing that. Everyone here can, can be a part of that. You know, as we go through these things, I think one of the best ways for you to do that is to get into a Bible study or something and look at that. One of the things I want to close with this morning is, you know, we're doing a, a study on Wednesday nights, the first one's this week. And if you miss one, it's not going to kill you. you. If you miss the first one, don't think you can't come to the second one. But we're doing a study here on Wednesday nights called Experiencing God. It's a powerful Bible study because what it is is basically finding ways for you to use some of your gifts and looking at how God is working in the community around you. It's uh, by Henry Blackaby. I've gone through the study before. It's great. It's new and updated. So if, even if you've been through it before, the content is now new and been updated. So, so it's, it's very good, very applicable to your life. But what that study will do for you is it will tell you, and the way Blackaby puts it, he says, look at where God's working and jump in. What he's saying by that is, you're never going to discover your gift sitting at home on your couch. You're never going to experience your gift if you don't make that first step out and see what it is. If you think that this worship ministry up here is part of your gift, step out and try it. Contact Josh and let Josh say, you know, Josh, I think I could sing. I would like, I'd like to sing and glorify God with my voice. Or I play an instrument, I would like to do that. Or come to me or Mark or David or Stephanie and say, I'd like to help with your children's or youth ministries, or I feel I could teach. I, I, you know, in my other church, I led a Bible study. I can do, do that. Let me try that. Guys, there is nothing wrong with trying and failing. Is that okay with y'all? There is nothing wrong with experimenting in a ministry and finding out it's not for you. I, I spoke to this as we did just the introduction for our Bible study last week. One of the ministries that the church I went to wanted to involve, be involved in, well, we're going to go visiting tonight, and we're going to go to a very special place, and I think you'll enjoy. We're going to go visit the nursing home. There is nothing I would rather not do than that. Uh, that is not my gift. I don't like hospitals. I don't like nursing homes. I, I don't have anything against the people. That's just not, I don't speak well to those people. I don't relate well. That's just not where I feel led to work. I did try it once or twice. We went on some things and did that, and I'm like, this is not for me. This this is not working. But then when I started working with youth, I'm like, I enjoy this. And these kids listen to me. You know, one of the, the best things I ever heard when doing that that was encouraging to me was one of my one of my friends, a uh, young guy, he was probably in middle school at the time, middle school, maybe going into high school. He said, yeah, he said, we cut up and there's a bunch of nonsense. And he said, but by the end of the day, he said, I always learn something. That was my goal, was for him to learn something and have fun while we did it. And that's how I started on my path to be where I am today, was as a middle school youth leader. You know, God can use any of us and will use any of us if we'll just step out and start trying to use those spiritual gifts. You know, and today I hope I've clarified some of what tongues are and tongues aren't. But my main thing today was getting, getting you to think about these gifts. And we'll do probably a whole series on this at some point in time in this 10th year anniversary year. But I want you to you know, go ahead and get started now. Look at where God's working in amidst this church and jump in. Maybe it's widow's ministry. Maybe it's teaching youth. Maybe it's keeping the nursery. My family likes keeping the nursery. Do not make me do that, okay? <laughs> some people can tolerate crying babies. Not me. That's not, my, that's not my deal. But some people love being in there and comforting those children and giving the mothers a break. There's people that are great at that. You know, but just be looking this week where God can use you. If you want to participate in our Bible study, guys, 6.30 Wednesday night, be a great time to start exploring your spiritual gifts and where you could get plugged in at and kind of give you some foundation for some other things we'll be doing. But, guys, I thank you for being here. Can we go ahead and rise to your feet, and we'll have a word of prayer, and the worship team will, will lead us out of this. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this day. God, what you've given us, uh, the gifts that you've given so many of us that we that we can come here today, we can glorify you, but not only can we glorify you, God, but we can, we can be a part of all of this. God, we can, we can use the things you've given us to build up your church and build up all those around us. God, I just thank you for the gifts you've given us, Lord. I, I, I thank you for the clarification you've given us. That, Lord, it's pretty clear about what tongues are and what tongues aren't and, and, and how to worship properly in using the languages, Lord, in, in, the, in the beautiful prayer language that you give some people to, to glorify you and speak to you, God. And, Lord, we just pray this morning that the Holy Spirit works through us for those things I was talking about earlier where we don't even know what to pray. Maybe you don't even know how to pray to receive a gift, to have even a desire for it. We just pray the Spirit will interact in our behalf, God, with you, the Father, and you'll know 
our hearts, Lord, and it'll be spoken back to us so we'll know what to do in life. We'll know how to serve you best, God. We just pray this morning for those that are affected by the hurricane, Lord, even those in our midst and those that will be traveling, Lord, that you'll give them mercy this week. You'll protect property and lives, God, as only you can and your hand can, can still the storm, Lord, we know that. And we just pray for those affected. And, and God, pray for this situation. The church has looked for for guidance, God. And I just pray that you will, you will embolden churches all across our nation to help, Lord. We, we had an offering last week for the Southern Baptist Convention's Disaster Relief Fund, God. We just pray that those, those dollars and things that were given that people will go forth and they'll build up your church using the gifts you have given them through that, God, and that, that we're all part of this world, not just our little community, but, but you want us to reach out from that, Lord, and we just pray that you'll, you'll do all these things and you'll work through us this week, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.